values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time here with the show. The battle in schools continues to rage on. I think there's a lot more awareness since COVID-19. I think parents had an inside look at what was going on in schools, and some parents had disagreements. And to be fair, uh, I think that when you started to see a little bit of – I don't know if anger is the right word. Maybe it is. Uh, Parents got upset because when they went to school board meetings with concerns, they felt as if they weren't being listened to. As a matter of fact, if you remember, it was the National School Board Association that called them domestic terrorists and asked the Justice Department and the FBI to start sitting in on these meetings and investigating parents. In the Scottsdale Unified School District, the father of the former board president was doxing parents who dared to disagree about some of the policies. So whether it's curriculum or it's the COVID policies or whatever it is, parents felt as if their voices weren't being heard and they were being told, sit down and be quiet. We're the professionals. Let us handle it. So it's become a big issue, and I'm wondering how it all ends. So joining us now is Anna Van Hoke. She is with the Higley Higley Unified School District. Um, uh, First of all, Anna, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. Let's let's talk about the reason why you got involved and what you've learned since your involvement began. Well, I've been involved with parental rights for over 10 years, but I finally decided to run because of what we've seen in the last several years. Um, I got sick of the fact that um, parental rights isn't acknowledged in our schools. Um, and being a parental rights advocate, I, you know, wanted to run and ensure that our district was listening to parents. Do you feel like changes are being made? Do you think parents are becoming more aware and changes are going to happen? I think so. Um, at the same time, I think a lot of parents don't know what to look for. And that's part of the reason why I asked the questions that I asked during board meetings so that um, parents could become more knowledgeable on things like, you know, social emotional learning and the different systems being used and portrait of a graduate. And it's, it's funny because a local newspaper wrote about the fact that I'm asking questions and what it makes me think is why has nobody prior asked any questions? Um, so I think by me asking questions, it allows parents to learn more about um, the key words to look for um, within the district and with all schools. So let's talk about SEL for a moment, social emotional learning, because I've had an advocate on. I've had a teacher that's an advocate saying this is an excellent tool that's necessary in education. And I've had other people on that saying that this is a disaster in education and has no place in our schools. Where do you fall on this issue? But can you also explain why there's such a diversity of opinion on this? Well, um, if you know the the company that's behind uh, SEL, which is Castle Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning, um, and you go through their website, you'll understand uh, why it's it's deceptive to parents, um, and it's really troubling at what their ultimate goal is. The whole purpose of this is data mining children. You know, we in Higley, we utilize a system called MTSS, multi-tiered, and what it does is it it monitors children. It kind of gives them this um, 
a grade, I, I suppose you'd call it, uh, and it, it puts them in different tiers. And with social emotional learning, I mean, it, it makes everybody feel like every every child has some sort of trauma, which is not the case. Uh, when it comes to social emotional learning, uh, it needs to be case by case basis. If if a child is, is dealing with trauma or emotional issues, then that child should be assisted individually. We shouldn't be teaching mental health to every child and treating every child like they've been through trauma. Although, you know, with COVID and the lockdowns and the quarantines and the masking, it did impact a lot of children. So what they did is they created this issue um, and now, you know, they're here to help. And it, it's really frustrating for me um, that we're having to um, put every child through this process like they all have a mental health condition when that's not the case. When you look at uh, the the way the school systems in general are run, do you believe that a lot of these issues that you're talking about now are the reasons why parents are looking for alternatives? Absolutely. I mean, between social emotional learning and all the ideologies being brought into our schools, critical race theory, even though everybody will claim it's not being taught, it's just they're using all these other words um, to teach it. Um, and ultimately, if you really look into social emotional learning, it leads to criti- critical race theory and, and makes you believe that, you know, there needs to be some sort of systemic change in society. So parents are fed up and, and, you know, with the ESA program that we have, a lot of parents are utilizing that to find other, other alternatives. My purpose within my district is to ensure that we're going back to core subjects, teaching kids how to learn, uh, you know, reading and writing instead of concentrating and, and embedding mental health into every aspect, including math. Um, We need to go back to core subjects and that will allow everybody to want to remain within our district instead of, um, you know, all this ideology being pushed on children. So let's talk about uh, my last question has to do with cost, because I know that a lot of times these curriculums can be expensive, whatever they are in any subject. Can you talk about the cost of some of these programs and not just the time that's taken up in the classroom, but is there an expense to the district when districts are saying they don't have enough money in the school systems to pay teachers and do things? Are they spending a lot of money on some of these things that you believe we shouldn't be doing? Funny you ask that. I recently emailed my district um, asking what the cost is annually uh, for social emotional curriculum. And I was told that we don't have a set curriculum within the district. So there is no cost, which is not truthful. Um, yes, we don't have a approved curriculum district-wide, but I was told by um, the gentleman that handles our curriculum that each teacher can decide what type of social-emotional learning that they want to teach. So it is being taught within our schools. I know in my daughter's middle school, it's being taught on every half day. Uh, it's a social-emotional curriculum called SHIELD. Um, 
they're teaching it, so there is cost to it, but I'm not getting those answers. So I have to go back and um, request further information, whether it's changing how I ask for things or submitting a FOIA request myself as a board member. Um, but I know that there's cost associated. We also have our strategic plan, which is portrait of a graduate that they've adopted. Uh, I know that there's a cost associated with that, and that's all geared towards social-emotional social learning. So um, I will get those answers, but I do not know what that cost is. I, I would assume um, it's a few hundred thousand. Um, I know this system that we have, the multi-tiered system that we have that tracks children based on tiers, um, we've spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on that system as well. So there's, there's a lot of money that's being poured into this. Meanwhile, uh, you know, kids are failing reading and math. Well, I appreciate the information, um, and I wanted to touch base with you and get the other side of this question or people that are, or people that are questioning social-emotional learning, and I appreciate the time today. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks. That's Anna Van Hoek. She is with the Higley Unified School District talking just a little bit. It's a big, I think it's an important topic to many people. Coming up in a moment, it's Did You Hear This? We'll do it momentarily. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Been a crazy news week. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Senator Kirsten Cinema is pushing for immigration legislation reform, and part of it includes improving our border. It includes beefing up our border security. In Arizona, we know that we do not have a secure border, and that the cartels are choosing who immigrates to this country at the same time that they're bringing in dangerous drugs like fentanyl. What will it take for this to pass? Uh, it's going to be, well, the tough thing is going to get it to pass through the Senate and then get it to the president's desk, because if it's not something that the president's going to want to sign, I think the Democrats in the Senate will protect him. I think that's what partisan politics does. They won't put him in a position where he will have to veto a piece of legislation that got passed by the Congress on immigration. But what it's going to take to get something like this passed through the House, I think it's going to have to be have a lot of really good ideas and teeth in enforcement of border security, whether it's a structure where it's necessary, uh, where we can use technology, more workforce, and slowing down the tide of people coming into the country. Something needs to be done about people making false claims for asylum. I think those are things that would be non-negotiable for one side of the aisle. And then the conversation needs to happen about immigration reform and what we do with our immigration system. But it's got to begin with border security. A new set of mortgage lending rules goes into effect May 1st, and they may benefit those whose credit scores are below 700. Among these changes, people who have lower credit scores may get more of a break with those upfront fees when it comes to buying. People with higher credit scores will still pay less, but they may not get as much of a break. How will it, these new rules affect people looking for mortgages? It's just going to be a disaster. Um, it is never a good idea, whether you're raising a child, running a business, coaching a 
team or a governmental position that you reward bad behavior. And I don't know that it rewards bad behavior in this case, but it certainly punishes good behavior. If you are someone that is intentional, and I use that word a lot, you're intentionally saving money for a home. You're intentionally monitoring your credit, keeping your credit card debt to a minimum, paying your bills on time, being disciplined and doing the things that's necessary to grow your credit score, to get a better mortgage or to be able to buy more home, whatever it is, and you're being told you are now, because you've done that, are going to pay more than someone that has a lower credit score, that is not good for anyone under any circumstances. I think it's a horrible idea. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the headlines. We are talking about my generation as a survey by Resume Builder says business managers and leaders are having a hard time working with Gen Z. Almost half of respondents declared it difficult to work with Gen Z all or most of the time, while a staggering 79% said they find them the most difficult generation to have in the workplace. Is Gen Z getting a bad rap? Um, I don't know. I, I, just to be honest, I, I think if you're the example, yeah, Gen Z is getting a bad bad rap. You're a you're a great worker. You've gotten compliments for the job you do, and you deserve them all. And I think there's a lot of people um, that we work with around here that would be considered Gen. Gen Z that are also people that work very hard and do a very good job or they wouldn't be here. But you'd be one to ask. I, I'm more, you're around a lot more Gen Z people than I am. Is there some validity to this complaint? Do you believe that there are some people in your generation, more so than others, that feel entitled? Maybe, but I also see a lot of people, especially the ones I graduated with, who work extremely hard. So I would disagree with that sentiment. So you would disagree that it's not the majority because I will because I, I, I know that that is the attitude that we see a generation. The young people that are coming up now are people that are feel entitled. That's one of the words that was used. They want to question authority and act as if they're smarter than authority. But they also the big thing is the entitlement part of it. They think that they should walk in the door and be entitled to a career instead of having to work for it. You would disagree with that sentiment. I do. Okay, and I think I would say fairly, that's the company you keep because that's the kind of person you are. So I think you gravitate to people that work hard like you do. I sure hope so. Uh huh. The Phoenix Suns finally put the Los Angeles Clippers away last night. Suns win. This one is history. The Suns will win. They'll eliminate the Los Angeles Clippers. Suns will move on. The Suns win. Oh, brother. The Suns will face the Denver Nuggets next. Game one of the Western Conference semifinals is set to start on Saturday. What are the keys to a Suns series victory? A couple of things. I think Devin Booker has shown that he is now a superstar in the league with the attention and, as they call it, the gravity, as more people are paying attention to Kevin Durant, which is absolutely necessary for his capabilities, He uh, that Devin Booker is taking advantage of every single opportunity. 47 points last night, 25 in the third quarter. It was an amazing run for him in the entire playoffs series. He needs to continue that. But I also would say in this series, one of the keys, and it does concern me a little bit, is going to be the play of DeAndre Ayton. I think DeAndre Ayton is going to have to step up his game, uh, you know, because he is playing against one of the best in the middle. And if he can play up to his potential, he seems to rise to the occasion against Denver. I think they're going to be very good in this series. As a matter of fact, I just saw a statistic this morning. Take it for what it's worth, because I heard it from someone else, but it was ESPN. 
that the Suns are a slight favorite right now in Vegas. And it is the first time an under or a road team was the favorite in 35 years in a semifinal, in the conference semifinal. So, you know, there's a lot of right now, a lot of people believing that the Suns are going to go a long, long way. They got to play better defense. And DeAndre Ayton's definitely got to step it up. And before we close out the segment, happy 90th birthday to Al McCoy. Great job, Julia. Yeah, Al McCoy. April 26, 1933, he was born. Um, and what a great guy. Didn't you love DeAndre Ayton saying happy early birthday yesterday uh-huh. to I did. Him? That was great. Did you um, – um, have you had a chance to meet Al McCoy yet? I saw him when he was in the building, but I didn't get a chance to introduce myself. I hope you get to introduce you. He is one of the nicest men. For anybody out there that's never met Al McCoy, you've only heard his voice for years with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the thing I love about Al is he's always treated me so well. For a guy that is truly a walking legend and is one of the people that would have a right to walk around as if everybody should bow to him when he walks by, he is exactly the opposite. Humble. Um, he is just everything you'd want. and He's a better human being than he is a broadcaster, and he's a legend as a broadcaster. So uh, happy happy birthday to Al McCoy. Uh, coming up in a moment, we're going to talk crime and punishment, but we're going to mix it with another topic, the topic of schools. It's all coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time. We talked quite a bit about crime. Interesting how these things mix together. So bear with me for a moment. If you haven't heard me talk about it today, I've got a couple of different things we've talked about throughout the morning. Uh, one of them has been about schools and changes in schools and the direction of a school is going in this kind of battle for the culture and our education system. But there has to be an acknowledgement first from everybody that the school system as it is right now is underperforming. It is failing. We are not teaching our children to read. They are not learning the the basics. I mean, that's just a fair statement. It is hard to disagree with that. And if you are disagreeing with it, you are misguided um, that our schools are not performing. The other part of what we've been talking about is crime. And, and I've gone after, and I've, I, I'm telling you, I think it's a legitimate beef. Um, the Phoenix Union High School District that absolutely refuses, as a matter of fact, one of their uh, members, I, I might have even been the board president, uh, dropping the F-bomb, said there is no effing way there will ever be effing police officers on our campuses. Um, that is, if that's the truth, um, every parent should be concerned. Uh, I'm hearing from people about lack of safety in the Phoenix Union School District. I I keep getting messages from people, and I know that the media keeps reaching out, and the school districts have to confirm that they're finding guns on campuses, that the police have been called. How is this not a front-page story? How is this not something we scream about? Do you realize, I mean, how we, then we've averted shootings in schools? If there are high school students bringing drugs, and, and I know that that's happened too, drugs and or guns on campuses. What in the world are we doing? So here I am on one hand saying that we're failing at teaching these kids to read and write and perform math skills. And then on the other hand, they're just trying to survive the school day. It's not like, you know, we used to have fights. I got in a fight. Uh, I got in fights when I was in high school like boys did. 
Um, I was at an intramural basketball game on a Saturday morning, and I got jumped in the bathroom by two guys. Unfortunately for them, they didn't realize I was a wrestler, and one of them ended up getting his head slammed into a urinal. But my point is, and again, I'm not Chuck Norris, but I, I just I, I didn't mind when you're a kid, you fight. It's different now. It's deadly now. Now there's gangs and there's cartels and there's hits and there's guns and you know and you've got kids with guns. So it's a whole different world we live in now. And to have a school district that tables a vote about putting cops on campuses and for all of you gun control advocates out there, I'm shocked by this sentiment. You've got kids on campuses bringing guns. And when they get found, we have averted a school shooting potentially. And nobody is screaming about how did that gun get in that campus? Where are the police on campus? Why should you have to have somebody that's not a sworn police officer? disarm a student and then call the police. That doesn't make sense. Here's a headline out of Georgia. Georgia middle school student caught with marijuana and a gun in his backpack. This student will face school disciplinary consequences and criminal charges, but we don't know what those consequences are going to be. So I put these together because here's this. Schools are ditching homework and deadlines in favor of equitable grading. The politics of education is one of the ugliest things I've ever been around. I hate it. It's ugly. The politics of education. It's not about teachers. It's not about educators as a whole. If it's not just teachers in the classroom, it's the people that are charged with uh, educating our children as a whole, the entire organization. Um, The politics of education is ugly. And when you look at where people are fighting, so here you have the standards are not being met. So you've got a group of people saying, well, we need to change the standards. It's inequitable. So you're saying this kid, based on this kid's circumstances, he or she can't learn the same as a kid in a different set of circumstances. We are already giving kids an excuse and telling them that they are failing and it's not their fault, that it's the world's fault and society's fault. Well, what you're doing is you're setting a kid up to be a victim for the rest of their life. Or... We can keep the standards high and reward kids that have overcome obstacles just like we do in every other aspect of our life. We, whenever you hear a story, how about this, the story, uh, the movie, which we know was not necessarily accurate to the full story, but the story of Michael Orr. The offensive lineman that played for the Baltimore Ravens that uh, they, they made the movie called The Blind Side About. And the story of a kid who had a, in the movie at least, a drug addict mother, single parent, lived in the projects around a lot of crime and really bad influences, was taken in by a family, went to a private school and excelled and became this huge NFL superstar. Um, we applaud stories like that. And we know that there are real life stories of overcoming like that in our society that we respect and we admire. And then we say to kids, no, we're we're going to give participation trophies. We're not going to keep score. We're going to change the grading because we're going to get rid of the National Honor Society. We're no longer going to have AP classes, advanced placement classes, because the kids that don't make the grade feel bad about themselves. We set them up as victims for the rest of their life. And then what's funny about it, when it comes to physical um, uh, altercations, whether it's sexual assault or physical, you know, abuse, we are te- we are setting kids up in these situations and turning a blind eye to it. It makes no sense. If I were a parent 
and I had a kid that was a good kid in the Phoenix Union High School system right now, I would be asking really serious questions, and I'd be asking my kid for honest answers about how violent campus is. How afraid are you? Are there weapons at school? Have you ever seen a kid with a weapon in school? How many? How much drugs are on your campus? And if you can get an honest answer out of your kids, I think you'd be shocked at the answer. And it's something that needs to change from all of us, and I hope that it does soon. I hope we change it soon. A little bit more on this because I want to get into the details of what changes scholastically people think need to be made, and we'll see if it's going to work next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, just a few minutes left before we close it out and uh, want to, um, I guess, wrap it up. I know that you probably haven't been able to listen to all of it, but when you listen to part of what we talk about, we repeat the same topics because it's what people are talking about every day and there's new examples of it. What's happening in our public schools is something everyone should watch. Again, I love public public education. I was educated in a public school that was a good school, and as much as I was a bad student, it was a good school. And I still remember the people that influenced me the most. I talk about him all the time. There's a man named Bill Geddes. I'm still friends with him. I still call him Mr. Geddes. I still don't call him Bill. And um, Mr. Geddes scared the hell out of me when I was in high school. I thought the guy hated me. After high school, the guy remembered everything about me. Now, he must have been an educator for decades, thousands and thousands of kids, and he remembered individuals. He remembered what they did and what they liked and what they were doing after school, their parents' names, and he was just an educator. He was one of those people that changed your life, and I know that's what teachers are. When we talk about education and I talk to you about the safety in schools, I want you to be open-minded about something. When you hear from a teacher organization that the reason why teachers are leaving the school districts and they're leaving the profession is solely about the lack of good pay. That is a false narrative. There are some districts where teachers make fairly good money. A lot of why teachers are leaving, and it's not the only reason, some of them do leave because they have better paying jobs. But there are teachers that leave the profession for two reasons that are largely not discussed. One of them is safety. They don't feel safe, especially high school teachers. I hear from female teachers all the time, they don't feel safe in schools, that the inmates are running the asylum, that these kids know there are no cops on campuses, there are guns, there are gang threats, there are cartel threats. Teachers are afraid, and they're afraid for good students. There are students that do not want to use the restrooms between classes because of what goes on in the restroom. Then they're getting in trouble during class because they want a hall pass to go to the restroom. But teachers feel the same way. So one of them is that, is the frustration that they are afraid to be on campus. The second is, and I think this is more uh, prevalent, is that teachers are frustrated about what they're forced to teach. That, you know, if you are a history teacher, it's because you love history. If you're a math teacher, if you're a mathematician and you teach math, you have to love math in order to teach that every day, all day. And you love math and then you find out that this is what we're going to do. There's not a grading system anymore and we're hearing from some school districts they're going to get rid of the principal's list and some of the the dean's list. You know, they're going to, it's almost like they're saying the standards are not being met by everybody, so we're going to water down the standards. So the kids that are excellent don't get a chance to, to excel. Even as a young kid, we had an opportunity to read. Remember in elementary school, you had the SRAs, the student reading assignments. 
and it was just a box. You read the front, you took the quiz on the back. If you made your way all the way through your box in your classroom in the school year, you got to go to the next grade up, and that was an accomplishment. And I was I was one of those kids, man. I loved to read. I was a good reader, and so I was one of the kids that got to go. When I was in third grade, I got to go into the fourth grade classroom and read from the SRAs there. And when you're a little kid, that's important. That sense of accomplishment. Are you telling me that we shouldn't be allowed to do that because some of the kids didn't get through the box? That is an absolutely absurd idea. But if you have teachers that love their job and they feel safe in the place they work, yes, they deserve more money. Yes, they need to be paid fairly. But creating an environment in which they can teach the way they want to and be an influence in kids' life, lives, but also in a safe environment. Bad kids need to be gone. That doesn't mean they're going to be bad all of their lives. I was asked to leave high school at 17 years old in my junior year, not because I was a criminal, but because I was completely disinterested. I didn't go to school. I rarely went to school. And when I did, I was a goofball. I was the class clown. And a genuine concern for me, the dean of students said, Mike, these were his exact words. High school's not for everyone. Maybe you want to join the military. In other words, go do something with your life. And I turned out okay. I I turned out later on in life I found my purpose and did something different. But there are kids in school that want to be there to learn, and there are teachers in school that want to teach them. They should all feel safe. They should be the ones that are the focus. And if you are one of those students that is good in a specific topic or in all of them, and you happen to be one of those genius kids that gets a perfect score on your SAT, good for you. There's going to be something in your life that you're not that good at, but good for you in this regard. You should be recognized for that. We take blue chip athletes and we give them scholarships now and we give them uh, name, image, and likeness contracts in college to play sports. That doesn't mean they're good at everything. That means they excel at sports and they deserve all all the accolades they get for their excellence in sports. If you're academically excellent, they should do the same thing. Hold those kids up in the highest regard. Give these kids a pathway to success. For the kids that aren't going to go to college, look at the CTEDs. Why are counselors and school advisors, why are they not taking kids as freshmen and sophomores in high school and letting them assess what their future should look like? We let them pick their gender. Why not let them pick their career? I just think there's a lot of solutions and we should be looking at all of them. Be open-minded to some of the stories you're hearing because you're hearing only part of the narrative. You're not hearing the whole story. And I think you need to hear the whole story. We're just about out of time. We'll be back tomorrow just after 8 o'clock. Social media users, of course, always at Broomhead KTAR is my personal Twitter account. At Broomhead Show updates you on the guests on the show. Follow both, please. And then Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. Please stay in touch between shows. Again, tomorrow morning just after 8 we'll have another edition of the show I hope you can join us then and especially thank you for joining me for part of your day today we'll be back tomorrow until then God bless